Welcome to the Lion's Den with Seth, a podcast where progressive men and women can learn and teach each other the ways of the land. The Lion's Den is where royalty comes to counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Seth. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another Lion's Den with Seth. Hopefully everything is good with you. You are enjoying your Sunday and watching the Lions win. I believe they won, right? It don't matter if they did. They they some Lions, you understand? But anyway, let me go into this real quick, y'all. The Lions Den, right? We focus on all things leadership, growth, development, and also action, all right? It's our responsibility to not only be the voice behind the mic, but also be the force in front of it, all right? Hopefully you can dig that off the top of my head. That just happened. But anyway, y'all, I wouldn't be able to do this without my crew. But as I'm going through this, make sure you hit the share button. Let individuals know that you are in the den and let us know where you at. Right. So we can give you a shout out. That's what we love to do. All right. Let's do it. Big Herm, what's popping, bro? Man, not much. You would pick me first. You know I'm over here trying to share the show. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, yo, it's all good. Yeah. Everything is, good. Everything's good. Let me type your name in here real quick. You get <laughs> and and uh you have my full attention. Hold on. Right, 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 right. Hey man, everything is good, man. Uh today at church, man, the uh, pastor did a service. Really, I felt like it was just for me, man. It was crazy. It's always for you, bro. I, this one in particular, man. Um, she talked about, you know, if a woman how a woman has a woman found a virtuous man, mm. and all the attributes really spoke to my character. I was like. I mean, you okay. know, it's like you feel like somebody's talking no. directly to no, you, bro. you know what I'm saying? But they're not looking at you, but they're bro, still talking stop. directly to you. Stop it. So stop it. Stop it already. I'm so trying to tell you, man. It's because of you, right? You you are the virtuous man. The, the man, man by definition you. of my pastor, you know what I'm saying? By definition, I am the virtuous man. I'm sitting there like, I checked that box. Check that box. I cannot say. I'm wondering why my wife has not raised up both her hands. You know Jesus, what I'm saying? Stop it, bro. Man, listen. First of all, look. Don't get the world twisted. You just just start going back to church like what? The and, other and who would have known I, I, I was the perfect puzzle piece? You know what I mean? Who would have known? Yo, outside of all that, man, what you got going on in the city, man? I see you about to do something for Halloween. What y'all got popping? Man, we got a we got a Halloween party. You know what I'm saying? That that my you know this is all things that my wife does. I normally don't do this type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so we going over co- costumes and stuff. <laughs> we wear for costumes, and I'm trying to wrap my head around what I'm going to wear, man. But I thought this was something you was doing. I thought you was doing something else. Uh, y'all was doing something uh, uh, for the community. Oh, for the city. That's what oh, I said. The city. Oh, yeah, man. So we partnered with Inspiring Lady Bosses, man, which Inspiring Lady Bosses is uh, a. All right, I'm going to get to that too. Hold on. Inspiring Lady Bosses is a nonprofit organization that helps women, uh, mm-hmm. and particularly women of color who wants to start their own business. Okay. Give them, you know what I'm saying, how to start an LLC, all free of charge to them, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. What we're doing is throwing a Halloween party for the kids, you know what I'm saying, at the Cleveland Recreation Center uh, to, you know, bring awareness to the group, you know what I'm saying, bring awareness to Cleveland of what we're trying to do. Uh Right now, everybody, I got a a house full of of girls, teenage girls in here, man. So I'm going to try to keep the noise down. Bro, you got to love it. It it is. You understand? There it is. All right. The Saints lost. Oh, sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Well, we, we, we... 
it'll be okay. It'll be all right. Big Larry, what's popping, man? How you feeling, bro? What's happening? The Saints actually didn't lose, but okay. They didn't. The Saints lost. Oh wait, why you say that? Okay. No, they didn't lose. They won. They won. Okay, but how, how's your weekend, bro? How you feeling? Man, my weekend is actually pretty good. You see, I got the little Indian zone, man. We finally yeah. got our first victory today, so I had to represent today, man. It was a okay. full okay. force game, 31-0, man. We played great in all Ooh. three phases 31 of the game. 31-0. 31-0. Wow. Hey, listen. Listen, it's nine games in the, eight, nine games in the season. We was 0-5. <laughs> oh, wow. So it was good to see the players actually improve every week and then actually put it all together, man. It was time. It was time. It was okay. time. So hopefully we can finish out strong and then see whatever happens after that. Dope, dope, dope. Well, listen, uh, and also, too, want to let everybody know what's going on. Let me see. They won. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Listen, so I just want to let y'all know, too, everybody that's listening now, look, later on this week, actually on the 15th, anybody that's in the Maryland area, I will be there. OK, so I'm going to be talking to a group and an organization as well. Miss uh, Tierra, she has an event, y'all, for those that's interested. It's, this is the third annual Am I Ready event. All right. Mm. So I'm going to be there to talk about mindset and how to protect individuals from your mental and emotional space. Right. So it's going down October 15th. And if y'all got any questions, if y'all interested in it, I'll make sure later on I'll put the link for the event. Right. If y'all in Maryland and look, if y'all want to jump on the plane, I'll let your boy. We can get Yo, it in. Yo, you, know you got you got you got a come out song for that for that oh, event. Yeah. Bro, it seems um, like you're ready. Yeah. Arca. No, no, it's no. got to be seems like you're ready by R. No, Kelly, no, man. No, no, the no, thing I is, I'm already right. I go, I go do that. I go do that <laughs> too soon. As a matter of fact, I was gonna do, you know, uh, mystical. Here I go, but it's too soon for that. So I don't know, man. Everybody <laughs> out of line. See what I'm saying? But anyway, y'all, listen. That's not why we're here to promote ourselves, right? We're here to talk about mental health, and specifically for the brothers. Okay, specifically for the brothers today. And what's going on, Bill? I give you that information here soon, okay? But uh it's going to actually be in uh Upper Marlboro, all right? Marlboro. But anyway, y'all, we're going to talk about brothers today, the mental health, the disparity in that. And then also, too, there's some things going on with our emotional space. It seems as though we're mm. a little bit too emotional or we mm. don't know how to um balance logic and emotional things right and so we're coming off in a different manner i'm sure everybody that's you know if you're not living underground or under a rock right now you will see that we're doing things that's out of character in my eyes okay so let me introduce to y'all our guests okay i'm <laughs> dr mo diddy all right he had to do it y'all <laughs> But look, this dude is super, super dope. And uh, I met him a couple of weeks ago in SLU. But anyway, he's born and raised in North Carolina, but been in St. Louis since 2007. Okay. He's a, uh, uh, he focused on the psychiatric, but uh, watch this though geriatric psych, uh, psychiatry. Okay. But he hit all different uh, uh, ages. So I think that's important important for y'all to know okay but anyway it's married two beautiful daughters congratulations we just had a conversation about that too but everybody welcome to the show dr mo what's up brother very much how y'all doing today man slow motion thanks for uh coming on man and joining the den i know it was like on the spot we was talking it was like you know what i think you'd be dope to be on man but look i appreciate I that no doubt. I'll let you introduce yourself, man, to the den, brother. 
thank you for having me. It's been been an honor and pleasure thus far listening to you fellas just interact and talk with one another. That's part of mental health and, and mental well-being as well. But I'm uh, originally born and raised in North Carolina, grew up near near the coast. Um, the nearest biggest city people would know is Wilmington, North Carolina. So I grew up in a uh, very rural, very, very rural country area. Uh, we had three high schools in my whole county. Now there's only two high schools, but grew up there and then did all my training in school in North Carolina. And then I um, decided to um, uh, pursue a, a path in psychiatry. Uh, so I went to medical school at East Carolina. Uh, first I went to uh, undergrad at Winston-Salem State University. Give a shout out to those uh, those Rams who aren't doing too well in football this year, but um, it's a small HBCU in, in Winston-Salem um, uh, that struggling this year, but uh, we represent the CIAA pretty well most of, most of the time. Um, so after that, I went to medical school in North uh, East Carolina um, and then decided to pursue a career in psychiatry where I did my adult psychiatric training at Wake Forest in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So I went back to Winston-Salem, uh, where I still had a, a good circle of friends. Um, and then um, due to some, some life decisions and some family um, turmoil, my, my at that time, my great-grandfather was dealing with some memory problems. I decided to pursue a career in geriatric psychiatry um, to, to add, add more insight into to my learning and knowledge of, of what, what happens when you get older, your mind starts going, and what care is involved in that. Um, and then I came to St. Louis in 2007 to pursue my training at St. Louis University School of Medicine in geriatric psychiatry. Um, and then I was only supposed to stay for a year for the training and then go back to North Carolina. That's so what I told my mother, but she... Um, um, she was okay with it when I decided to stay a little bit longer because I uh, eventually met my uh, my wonderful wife of uh, the 11 years next month and then um, two wonderful little kids that we've had along the way and uh, give a shout out to my, my oldest kid. His name is Rosaria. Her birthday is actually today. We had a birthday party yesterday and then um, a little yeah, earth party earlier yeah. today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just doing the thing, just um, just trying to represent on, on several, several different layers and levels. Um, you know, life has been uh, been challenging, but been pretty good to me overall. Um, heard y'all talking about church and spirituality already, so I, I do appreciate that aspect of life and uh, how it adds into your mental health and your mental well-being as well. So that's just a little bit about me. I, I root for the Carolina Panthers, who are unfortunately struggling this year as last year as well. But one day, we'll, one year, we'll get it right. We we'll get another Cam Newton to come come back, or some somebody <laughs> like Cam to help us through. Right, right. All right, well, brother, again, thank you for being on. Thank you for being on. No problem. No problem. Hey, Maurice, thank you for coming on. I want to talk about men's mental health. One of the stats I read recently was said that over 6 million men are affected by depression, which is the number one cause of mental health. Can you, and for the majority of them, it goes undiagnosed. And, you know, Correct. Depression can be, can vary based off variable things can you talk about the common trends that you've seen since you've been a psychiatrist when it comes to men and depression yes um um i just had a meeting um, um earlier this week with a bunch of uh younger black black male medical students who kind of talked about mental health and mental well-being and i mentioned that i don't have a lot of of young to middle age um black male patients um, even though I, I work in the city where it's still predominantly black and pro probably predominantly black male. Um, but it's a lot of, during my training as well. And then and as, you, as you mentioned, the studies and doing the reading, a lot of men in general um, are very slow to seek out help when we're dealing with, 
uh, almost any type of mental illness, but especially depression and anxiety. Um, it's kind of one of those things that was taught back in probably the 60s and 70s and by, by our parents and grandparents up until now is to uh, kind of swallow it, suck it up, walk it off, get an extra job, do some things on the side you shouldn't be doing to, to kind of bottle and swallow down what's going on with you emotionally and mentally. Um, and so now that we're seeing that, that mental health is kind of coming somewhat to the forefront and people are, are recognizing that um, you have to be right both mentally physically and spiritually if you want to, to be successful in life. Um, so depression can, as you mentioned, can kind of present in several different type ways, but it's, uh, it's definitely a change in your baseline to where you know you're not feeling your normal self. You're not happy, you're not enjoying what you're doing, you're not enjoying those around you. Um, you start to withdraw. Um, people stop, stop eating or they eat too much or sleep too much. Um, they have little energy, a little motivation to do things. Um, and then on the more severe end, they may actually have thoughts about wanting to end, them, end their lives and or take out those around them as well. Um, that's usually when uh, if patients voice those, those uh, thoughts, that's when um, I see them either in the emergency room or, or the inpatient psychiatric unit because uh, that's, when I, that's usually when they are forced to seek out help, um, so to speak. Um, and then you, you can also if you can imagine if you've been dealing with some uh, emotional problems, you're stressed, you're over anxious, you can um, begin to what we call have uh, psychotic features where you begin to think uh, strange thoughts or odd things that aren't, aren't common, um, which can be very terrifying for that person, but also be frightening for those and family around them when they begin to express those things. Um, so, so, you know, when people talk about I'm feeling depressed or sad and uh, you know, you get around a bunch of fellas and you start saying that and you kind of, you know, they, they may joke with you about it or say some, you know, uh, hurtful things or some not many things to you about that. But, you know, on the surface, it may seem like just, oh, you're sad or having some emotional things. But deep down, um, it can be a very traumatic and terrifying experience for that person. Mm. <laughs> What's going on, Doc? How you doing today? I'm good, brother. Here's my question. Um, because Larry brought up the depression aspect, but my thing is today it seems like everybody needs to fit inside some kind of category, you know what I'm saying? Everybody feels like today, today they, they have some kind of uh mental illness or men mental health issue. Uh, when maybe they just need to toughen up, maybe you know what I mean? It's like how are you diagnosing yourself with anxiety. How are you diagnosing yourself with depression? Maybe it's not depression. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's just a part of everyday life that you're going through that you just need to get through, right? Is, is it, do you see an uptick? I guess my question is, do you see an uptick of people feeling like there's something mentally wrong with them when it might not be anything really truly wrong with them? You know what I mean? It might just be like, hey, you, you, you're just in a rough spot. It doesn't mean that you're depressed. You have depression. So basically, so and, Herm, you're talking about like, is it just like, are you saying that individuals think that it's mental health, but it's just life? Like, it, it, it's, like just, it's, it's just, just living. It's just, and then, and then on a flip side, like with women, right? With women, women will always say that when a man don't want to be with them or a man treat them bad, they diagnose that man with, he's a narcissist. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm tired of hearing that damn word. You know what I mean? It's like, how do you know he's a narcissist? Because he don't want to be with your ass no more. 
You know what I mean? But have you seen the uptick in that and the change in the culture? And how does that affect your job if it does? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because um, um, I'm, I'm at St. Louis University uh, School of Medicine. I'm also into the teaching aspect of things. So I began to have to teach the medical students and the residents on, on what we call depression. Um, and, and one of the core components of being depressed, it has to affect, uh, affect your, um, your day-to-day well-being. Whereas, you know, we all have life struggles, life stresses that we go through uh, that may bring us down, that may get us a little upset, may get us anxious, may get us worried. Um, but if you can pinpoint the situation of what's going on, that may not be what we call it, maybe call a situational depression. And depression with emotion has to last for at least two weeks. So you have to experience things for a long period of time before you can call it depression. Whereas most people say, I'm feeling depressed after they've, you know, had a bad day or they got dumped for the day or, you know, something didn't go right. They feel like they're feeling depressed when they may have just been feeling sad. And then we call that, you know, I deal with mental health illness. So when you come to me as a psychiatrist, I'm dealing with something that hopefully can be treatable. There's also your mental health well-being, overall mental health well-being um, that we all have to pay attention to. And that's where you just, just regular life stress, um, day-to-day pressures can affect your mental well-being. But if that mental well-being begins to change to where you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're losing focus, um, you're uh, escaping your responsibilities, um, you're having those, like I said, those negative thoughts that maybe life is not worth living, then that, that crosses over into the mental health illness aspect. And that's when you need to seek out professional help. Okay, so I like that. So basically, you're saying that at sometimes it can be emotional, but then also it can be situational, and then it can also be chemical. Correct? Are you saying um, that? Technically, or yes. Can, or it can grow into. It can grow into that, right? It can grow into that. It's um, you know, the simplest way to put it: if if you have a small cut on your arm, you know, you're out doing something, you get a small cut, and and you know, most people would would wash it off or put a bandaid on or some ointment and, and move on. That's like an emotional stress. You, you have a bad day. You know, you're not getting along with your spouse. Things aren't going right financially. Uh, but if you begin to to scratch at it, pick at it, let it fester, then that becomes a, a bad infection on your arms. Where is if you were to stop, had good communication, um, realize what was going on, and adjust it appropriately, then you could have stopped that cut from getting infected. And you can also maybe help some of the emotional um, turmoil that you was going through from festering to something worse. Wow. Wow. Well, look, Hey, well, real quick, everybody, again, this is the lion's den y'all. We got Dr. Marcus up at Marie, excuse me, up in the building y'all. And, um, he's really dropping some, some jewels in here. And, um, I don't believe it's, you know, just gender specific right now i mean because this is this is general right like the things that we're going through in life is not easy we know that and it seems like the more you do this adulting thing it doesn't get easier right but i think i think that the the goal is here is to find out key ways to cope with them so again make sure you hit the share button and we're going to continue on go ahead big larry oh yes dr maurice uh, one of the things I want to talk about that I should ask first before we start to get into uh, the details of, 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 of your career field is uh, what made you get into this? And then the other part I want to talk about later on is uh, the pharmaceutical piece that ties into the mental health and, you know, how we treat mental illness with the uh, with the prescriptions that we're prescribing. And, and that right. 
epidemic. But before we get to that, I want to talk about what made you get into this part of the medical career field and what drove you to pursue this sec this piece of it. Um, I start pretty early on, probably by mid to early teens, when I no want to be in the medical field. At some point, I want to be. I, I thought I want to be a pediatrician very early on. Um, as a kid, you go see a doctor maybe once or twice a year, and it's like oh, that's something that that I, I saw myself doing for the long haul and, and enjoyed doing. Um, and then throughout my course of, of undergrad and medical school, um, I, I realized that I was more of a, um, not to say all doctors aren't thinkers, but to sit down and, and I, I enjoy talking with, with patients and families and getting to know their, their life and their stories before, as you mentioned, prescribing medications or jumping into the pharmaceutical aspect of things. Um, and, and then um, to become a, a general psychiatrist, you generally do four years of adult psychiatry. And then along the way, I know I wanted to specialize in something. Um, like I said, at that time, my, my great grandfather, who technically my grandfather, because he raised my mother. Um, so I called him my grandfather, was dealing with some, um, some severe mental and, and cognitive and memory issues that he wasn't like himself and, and family didn't know what to do. And, once again, it's rural North Carolina. There was nobody around that you can send them to. Um, uh, but because I was, quote unquote, like the doctor of the family, I was asking me questions that I couldn't answer. Um, so that, that began my path of just looking up what a someone who deals with the geriatric patient population would do in situations like that. So that's why I became a geriatric psychiatrist, partly. Um, and then just to understand how the mind and the body works um, together was very intriguing to me. Um, so that's what led me to become a psychiatrist slash geriatric psychiatrist. Got it. Got it. So look, look, we got a good question up in here. What you think, Herm? There you go. Oh, from my wife. All right. Can you share how symptoms may present differently in males versus females, including anxiety and depression? And what should you pursue don't ever have me read i told y'all not to have me read you know what i mean and when you should going to church and for when should you <laughs> i don't go to church for reading class did you see the question and when should you pursue <laughs> not playing with me when you should pursue counseling versus seeing a psychiatrist that oh. i want to know that last part yeah right. that makes um, sense. Counseling bad, a psychiatrist. Yeah. my bad yeah you playing with me man <laughs> <laughs> Ahead, but hold on before I, I do have i do have a question after this yeah. one though but, yeah but. yeah okay but but for those who want to know the answer to that question generally um um depression symptoms present the same in both men and women to where you, depression is mainly you feel like you have to say to yourself or to someone else that your mood is low and it's once again a change from your baseline so if you're normally a negative withdrawn person and you don't like going out or talking to people or you're at home and low energy then you really can't say you're depressed. Maybe what I know, maybe more personality stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but if 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 you're like you fellas are, if you're out and you're doing things, and then you know throughout the next couple of weeks you begin or someone begins to notice that you're not yourself, mm -hmm. you're more withdrawn, um, mood changes um, to where you're feeling low for long periods of time. It's usually a two-week period. Um, that's when depression usually happens. And I say males and females, the symptoms are the same. Whereas anxiety, we we all may may present with something different, may feel anxiety is, is different. And it goes uh, from males to females as well as cultural issues as well. So 
um, mm -hmm. you know, you know, we may internalize things a little different as men where anxiety for us can just be when, um, when we have more on our plate than we can actually handle and we may become unfocused and frustrated, a little frustrated and easier. Um, whereas women tend to, you know, worry more, have more of the, the internal thoughts on worrying with anxiety. And then if we let it hold on for too long, a lot of people complain of, of, of like somatic complaints from anxiety. As you know, stress can affect the body in negative ways. Um, and so if you hold on for anxiety for long periods of time, people may complain, especially um, different cultures may say, I'm having a stomach ache or stomach problems. I feel nauseous in certain situations. Uh, so if you, you know, don't like large crowds, you go out, you may feel anxious and worried, but then you have that somatic complaint of uh, stomach starts churning, your heart's racing, and you don't know the words for that. Um, so you may start talking about the somatic or the, the body complaints that come along with it versus the actual underlying cause, which is anxiety. Um, but but uh, at either case, um, like I said, the, the main time to seek out help is when you when you or someone around you notice that it's you're not yourself and it's impacting how you interact with that that group of people or that person or it's impacting your job or any other social situation um, that's when you seek out help and and in my opinion you can seek out help with a counselor or or a psychiatrist either or um in the optimal world i think we work well together because if your anxiety or depression is that severe you don't need you don't need a psychiatrist and maybe some medications to help all right. I know you had a follow up question, mm -hmm. Herm, but my, my question, I just want to slide this in real quick. So, Doc, look, sometimes individuals say, hey, look, you acting strange, you know, maybe something ain't right. But what if your circle has changed, but not you? You know what I mean? Maybe it's like, wait a minute, uh, I'm outgrowing certain things and now I need to go and do something else. But then. You know, if you got individuals constantly saying something's wrong with you and you're not the same, maybe I'm evolving. But you're saying it, you know, it, it, it takes a couple of weeks. But how do you differentiate that between well, growth, said, it, outgrowing and, and just feeling stressed? Do you get what I mean? Right. It's, it's, it negatively impacts your circle. It affects you or your circle. So if you're growing and you begin to do things or stop doing things that you once did and you have a group of saying, you know, you're acting strange. We used to do this. You don't want to do that anymore. And if you can, if you can rationally explain to them, hey, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm, you know, I'm 35, 45, 50 now. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, I'm moving on to this other aspect of my life. And uh, and then, um, you know, we have our group of friends, and then we have our, you know, intimate partners. If your partner is is not complaining about your growth and overall well being, then then I don't think that should be a problem. Mm. Okay, got that, got that. My fault. Go ahead, Herm. So, because we was talking, medication has popped up a couple of times. Even Larry brought it up, mm -hmm. and I was having a talk with my wife earlier, um, and she brought up the. She said that in the past, medication was not directly advertised to people or uh, advertised to mental health counselors, and that has changed over the years. Right but now, now these mental health uh, med medicines are directly sold to you guys and sold to uh to the, the counselors to the counselors and also you know on tv um and, right. she, and there's been a change she felt like there was a change in in uh how people operate now and how you know how those things are viewed so i just want to get your perspective on that um if that part that i just said is true and if it is do you see a change in how you know the mental health profession 
has operated since that. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it is true. Um, uh, you know, um, I, I enjoy what I do. I want to put out a good disclaimer first. I enjoy what I do. I, I work yeah. in the I, I want you to put nothing out there to, to, to incriminate yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, I'm not going to do that or, or I don't want to bring down my, my profession either, but I, yeah. I enjoy what I do. I, I enjoy my profession. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy the time I spend with folks. And it's not about the money for me. It's not about, uh, you know, making tons and tons of money, so to speak. Uh, but unfortunately, um, just like other parts of medicine, psychiatry has, has become a business. And within that business, we have to deal with with giving out medications and seeing patients as fast as we can um, and not really talking with them and finding out what the true problem is. Um, and so from that standpoint, um, um, that's when the pharmaceutical companies have, have come on the scene back in the day, they came on the scene uh, um, big and hard, um, so to speak, uh, no pun intended. Um, but they, they were um, kind of aggressive in approaching like I said, all, all people with mental health and promoting their product and um, before before my time, they were actually not just in psychiatry, but all medicine would give kickbacks to doctors who prescribe a certain amount of the medication or the biggest prescriber of the medications. That has since gone to the wayside. Um, and, and so um, I definitely understand a lot of people's um, uh, hesitancy and skepticism about coming to see a psychiatrist or mental health professional uh, because they see the commercial for um, a certain antidepressant on TV and then they go see the doctor and the doctor wants to prescribe that antidepressant before they get to know him or talk with him. Um, and and uh, it's kind of a, um, a good kind of conspiracy theory that, that or real theory that could be um, one of the negative reasons why people don't want to seek mental health because they know the doctor's not going to listen to them. They, they go to the office, they see them with the pens or the, the cups or the mugs for a certain product and then you know, before the doctor and you and the doctor end up talking more than five minutes, he's prescribing you that medication. Um, oh. I, I would be hesitant um, about that as well. Um, so that's another hurdle that we as a medical profession have started to overcome by, uh, by taking that part, trying to take that part out of the equation. Uh -huh. Wow. All right, Dr. Maurice, um, a, a court again. I'm referring to the Mental Health of America website when I'm talking about this stuff. So depression was number one. Ment, um, not not mental. Um, Anxiety. No, no. Bipolar disorder was the number oh. two among women, yeah. women. So, so what I want to talk about that, and I can speak to this like personally from witnessing my family members being diagnosed, and I can see the difference between on medication, off medication. Um, what, what I want to get get to is I've seen where we as the black community, we consider uh, bipolar. It's like, oh, Joe, Nancy, Susie, whatever. They just crazy. Stay away from them. Well, realistically, they really do have an issue, a mental issue. And right. um, what I witness within my own family is I can tell the difference between when an individual is on their medication, when they're off their medication. So why, why I brought up the medication piece is I've also witnessed when the doctor diagnosed uh, or prescribed a, a prescription that is wrong. You, and what I mean by this is I can see where an individual takes a prescription and they almost take them to a sunken place. Like they're mm -hmm. oblivious to life. 
And I've also seen the prescription where it really does help them pursue it and, and stay grounded in life. So can you speak to the importance of the, of, of the pharmaceutical piece where it's not like, hey, this is the hot uh, prescription or the pharmaceutical thing, push this versus I'm really understanding your need, your diagnosis, and here's what I think should work for you. Right. And that goes back to my, my piece about um, being a, a, a true practitioner of your craft. So my, my practitioner, my craft is psychiatry. So I like to sit down and talk with my patients, get to know them, maybe get another piece of the puzzle from family, um, um, if possible, um, to kind of put together everything. Because um, unfortunately, within psychiatry, we don't have any blood tests that tells us that if someone's truly depressed or have bipolar or schizophrenia, we have to get history. Um, and then, like I said, it has to be over a certain amount of time. So it's not just a one uh, pinpoint person having a breakdown or a couple of pinpoints here and there it has to be something that goes on for a week or two, um, sometimes, you know, four or five months before we can say it's a true psychiatric condition. Um, but then during that period, I'm getting to know that patient, getting to know their family or their support system. Um, so that's when it, that part comes in to help know what medications one needs to uh, begin to prescribe if they need medications at all. Um, but then I know if, if someone is having a true emotional issue, emotional crisis, so to speak, we can use medications as needed in the interim until we actually come up with that that solid formalized diagnosis. Mm, okay. Well, look, that makes sense, man. So I think my, my other question is more based on the our community and just, in, well, I would just say people in general, okay? Um, I believe that there is a, a stigma when it comes down to truly mental health and spiritual warfare, all right? There is a difference. And there's times when we would say, hey, look, the devil's attacking me. Wait a minute. You might want to chill out, right? Or you may need some help, okay? Right. Have you ever had to have one of those, no pun intended, come to Jesus meetings with individuals say, hey, Listen, I don't care. I mean, I care about your spiritual well-being, but there's some things you said in your mind. There's some things they ain't clicking. Okay, right. I can help you out with that. Okay, but I need you to pray about it, but take two at ease and see me in the morning. Have you ever had to have that conversation with individuals like that? Real talk. Yes, yes. Um, I do that. Um, you know, not not too frequently, but that that does come up with um, when spirituality um, and mental. Uh, mental health, sometimes health as well, but mental health is what I deal with. Um, that's another hurdle, another obstacle that that is very hard to overcome because that's what we've always been, um, not always, but most people have been taught is that if you're having some type of problem, or issue, you know, take it to Jesus, bring it to the church where um, you could be having that problem. Yeah, you should still take it to church and pray on it and, and get some um, better understanding of what's going on. But then um, if you still want to follow that spiritual religious, religious path, God's going to provide an answer for you or a path to that answer. And that could be seen a mental professional um, as well. Um, so, you know, having that talk with someone about, about um, you know, what's actually going on, what the true problem is, can be very, very difficult. But when they find out that I'm, I'm trying to help them be the best person that they can be and be very genuine, um, I'm trying to help them. Um, most people are receptive to that. Some people still just say, I'm just going to pray about it or I don't want to take meds, um, which I understand. Most, the bottom line is most people don't want to take any medications or pills or do things that's going to change their chemical nature. 
um, without truly understanding what's going on. I have to explain them because of what they have emotionally, you know, mentally and stress can change your, your, your chemical structure of your body and your mind. So you may need medications that could be helpful. Um, mm. But, but, you know, nowadays now I try to form a working partnership with them, not instead of just, just saying, this is the medication I'm going to prescribe. You either take it and don't see me or you take it and see me. I don't care. But, you know, I'm the type of person that, hey, let's give it a try or, you know, we'll see how things go for the next four or five, you know, three or four weeks. When you come back to see me, if things are worse, you might need medications. If things are better, then we'll talk about it and see what can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Go ahead. Go ahead, Larry. Hey, hey, Dr. Maurice, since we're talking about this and the prescription piece, because I think this is huge with the chemical uh, uh, chemistry within your body for individuals. Can we talk about for our community? Because, I mean, for any community, I get it. But I'm talking more specifically the black community, because I feel like we hit the hardest with at least knowledgeable when it comes to mental health. Can you talk about the importance of the education piece that comes behind prescriptions? So that we don't get caught up in this uh, this this persona that you know drugs are just they just there to keep you down and make you put you in this place or what I talk right. about this sunken place. But can we talk about the importance of the education piece behind why some of these prescriptions are not just because I'm lobbying for me my company to make millions of billions of dollars, not millions but billions of dollars. But this really will help you, uh, you know, get better. Right, right. Um... Which, which that's what I, I try to do is, is educate people on on um, on the mental illness and how that impacts their lives and then how it impacts the lives of others around them. Um, because just imagine if you're if you're the the breadwinner or you're responsible for any responsibilities in your household um, and you can't perform that duty or that role because you're uh, you know you're, you're over anxious, you're worried, or you're maybe depressed, or if you're Said bipolar and having a manic episode to where you're just not around, people can't count on you. Um, that can also impact your families or your circle's mental health as well. Um, so just educating the person on and what the mental illness and what and how important their overall mental well-being can be, not only for them but for those around them, is is very important. And then when I talk to patients about getting on medications, I, I often uh, try to explain to them on whatever level that they're on how these medications are work and what they're supposed to do. Um, and what they're not intended for, um, and then give them some brief side effects that they may experience, um, and then tell them I'm gonna, you know, uh, you know, start a little bit lower and go slow if need be, um, but let them know that I'm available with things, you know, unfortunately, if you do have a side effect, I'm available, you can give me a, a, a call or my chart message and we can talk things over. Um, but I know it could be very scary because I know oftentimes, especially in, in the black male mental health community, um, we're often over-medicated um, for the wrong reasons and given the wrong medications um, for the wrong reasons to where others can see that. So, you know, you have a buddy, a friend, you're, you're bowling out for the weekend and you know, he unfortunately gets sent to the hospital and uh, he comes out and you say, something's wrong with him, it's not himself or, you know, he seems a little bit off since he's been on these medications. You begin to put that in your mind that, hey, I don't want what he's on. So when my time comes, or if your time comes to where you're feeling depressed or anxious, you say, I don't want to go see a psychiatrist because my buddy went and he ain't the same. Mm. Um, so yes, that's one of the unfortunate things about, um, another unfortunate thing about being black male in America is that we um, often get misjudged quicker uh, than our uh, counterparts. 
Damn. Man, I got mm. like a slew of questions I want to ask, but I want to ask this one first. Oh, so not too long ago, we had uh, Project Pat come on the show, right? Oh. He gave us a, a very surprising interview when he when he talked about him doing ministry inside prisons and stuff like that. And he was talking about how a lot of these young men, you know, uh, a lot of these young men were probably touched back in the day, back when one of these kids, the only way, instead of seeking counseling or anything like that, they resort to violence. And so it made me think, like, you know, I know we have free clinics inside some of these underserved communities, but I don't know if mental health is attached to that. I, you know, I'm lucky enough, well, you know, I made it the way to where I I have insurance, but a lot of people in those underserved communities do not have insurance. Is there a way that I'm just not aware of that they could seek counseling if they don't have insurance and the means to pay for it? Yes. Um, most cities and counties do have some type of uh, free or, or or, or low-cost mental health services um, that are available. Um, but as you can imagine, there are a lot of patients, a lot of clients who are waiting um, for that as well. Uh, so the wait list may be a little bit longer. Um, and then um, sometimes those providers aren't, aren't the most uh, invested in helping um, that patient population as well. Um, so that's why you have to... Um, it's all about that feel of finding that right provider as well. But there are there are free mental health clinics around. Some of them are attached to um, medical clinics as well. Hey, don't show no more bill stuff, man. I'm gonna not bill out <laughs> when I see you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you know what that that was a good question though. Seriously, because I mean you you don't know what you don't know. And then again, well, we talk about so many different stigmas about trying to get some help. It's like where can I go? Oh, and by the right. way, I can't afford it. Like, yeah, you get what I'm saying? It's like, I want help. Don't know where to go. Don't got the bread. Right. And so I'm dealing with shame. I'm dealing with embarrassment. Right. I'm dealing with fear because to your point, I don't want to be misdiagnosed. You know what I'm saying? Because there's so many things. And then with that, too, let's talk about real quick how. Well, I guess you did in the beginning earlier, but it's like we have so many other stressors. Right. And some that are passed down right from from the past, obviously passed down. But then, you know, you have closer generational, you know, mental health issues. So how do you diagnose those? Right. Like, let's say, for example, it may be maternal or paternal or, you know, my grandfather may have had some issues. Right. But my father didn't. But now I caught it or my grandmother. You get what I mean? How right. do you. How do you pick those out or, or how do you seek the answers to those? Well, that's what I said. We get part of getting to know the patient or family is getting a good family history. So I always want to know about um, sending mental health issues in their mother, fathers, brothers, or sisters. Um, and, then, and then find out what that actually is. And then if you're having similar symptoms or similar issues, then that because there is a genetic component to mental health that may be more than likely that you're having the same issues. Um, there have been several studies that have shown if, if one member in a family is actually truly depressed or anxious, I have bipolar and they've taken a certain medication, if you have those similar symptoms, you're more likely to respond to that medication as well. Um, so it's always good to know a good family history. Um, you, you know what? Now I'm about to play this one, this devil's advocate. But doctor, my family don't talk about mental health, right? Well, doctor, I, I don't know my, hey, I don't know my daddy. 
That you is true. But you've been to a family reunion. You've seen Uncle Joe act a little bit weird, or Uncle Joe might have been hitting that sauce a little bit too hard. So there's some issues that's going on that you might not have been aware of. But if you begin to probe and ask those questions on certain behaviors, you can find out without without them telling you those behaviors. You know, it's so crazy, too. And I'll let y'all go in a minute, fellas. But it's so crazy when the family uh, protects those things. Well, you know how he get, you know, he get that Hennessy. Wait, hold on. Now, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And, and our, yes. our, our family either block it, protect it, or they enable it. You know what I right. mean? Right. That was often the case. I said I grew up in rural North Carolina. So that was often the case when I began to reflect back on some some people or family members that had interactions with that didn't have a true psychiatric diagnosis, but they were always, you know, you know, in that back room or don't go see, talk to Uncle Joe at a certain point of time. So um, looking back on it, that is definitely the case. That's what most cultures do as well, not just the Black community, but most cultures um, tend to insulate and protect those that they feel maybe taken advantage of or cannot handle themselves around other people. Mm, um, because... Because once again, it's, it's about that shame part. So, if, you know, you got a family member who is acting a certain way out in public that reflects back on you as the parent or the, the uncle or the, the grandmother. Um, and so you don't want that negative light to shine on you as well. Right. Right. That makes sense. All right, Dr. Maurice, let's hit on this that we haven't talked about. It's that substance abuse piece of it. You know, Good. for any of us that don't understand that we're dealing with depression, bipolar or whatever it is mental health we're dealing with you know some of us hide behind substance abuse i don't care whether it is alcohol drug abuse or whatever it is you know a lot of us like to hide behind what not i don't even want to say hide behind because some of us just don't know what we're dealing with and we feel like drinking is is the answer or doing drugs is the answer it, it, it gets mm-hmm. me away from that reality so i i, I take that back I don't want to say we hide behind it. It's just that we don't know how to deal with it. So the best way we know is to get away from that. And that reality right. is we can smoke in whatever it is. Can you talk about that aspect of it? Yes, that, that is that is uh, another um, hard key component of mental health is substance use and substance abuse. Um, uh, and it's, if if someone who's you know depressed or anxious or going through any emotional problem. You know, like most of us, we get off work, we had a hard day, we want to go stop by uh, a local water hole and grab a Hennessy or some, some whiskey. Um, but if you're, if you're already, I call it ego aligned, if your mind is already aligned to where you're focused and you just want to blow off some, you might have one drink and go home. But for that person who's been dealing with some type of emotional problem for, for days or weeks or years, um, the key phrase that you use, I like to escape reality. And so, you know, you know, one drink may turn into three drinks and turn into four drinks. And unfortunately, with any drugs and alcohol, you develop a tolerance to where one week you maybe take four drinks a day and next week's up to five and then six. And then that begins to eat away at your at your mind and as well as your, your, your physical brain and mental uh, physical problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so drugs and alcohol play a very, very key component. And someone who has a, a substance abuse problem and a mental health problem, um, they're very challenging and difficult to treat because you have to one treat the the, the drug or alcohol problem first because uh, if you remember that old commercial where they had the egg and they crack it on the frying pan it's your brain it's your brain on drugs and they fry the egg right. uh, all drugs do that to your drugs and alcohol do that to your brain and your brain cells and brain cells do not regenerate 
Um, so if you're starting smoking weed or doing meth or um, some of these K2 or crazy drugs they got out now when you're, your teenage years and your mind is forming, um, by, by the time you get to your, your teens, your, your 20s or, or um, mid-20s, um, maybe a little difficult for your mind to, to come off of that and, and to form uh, appropriately and properly. Um, but, it's, but it's difficult. That's why we still have different different specialties that deal with that as well. I'm, I'm trained geriatric psychiatrists. We have psychiatrists who do substance abuse um, specifically as well. So to get you off those drugs, to get your mind right, and then to reassess your emotional state once you've been off drugs and alcohol for a month or so to see what was truly um, what you were truly masking or escaping and then um, get a good treatment plan in place for you after that. Wow. Okay. Well, look, I got, I, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It takes, I say it takes a motivated person to do that. Cause you could, you you could imagine, uh, like you said, with, with limited resources, you don't have a lot of money. You decide you want to get your life together. You go to rehab, you get out, you got the same stresses going there. You got, you know, relationship issues, job issues. Um, sometimes the easiest things to revert back to those bad habits that got you in that situation. So it can be a repetitive cycle as well. Right. So here, look, let me ask this question. Uh, I was going to give it to Hearn, but we, we already know what it is. All right. So <laughs> look at that. All right. But look, I get it. Hey, look, shout out James. He says, look, he said, I've heard, I heard some men say that they don't want something that they reveal in therapy to be held against them. For example, if I reveal certain traumas that still affect me, will it be written up that this man isn't capable of taking care of his children, etc.? Next thing you know, DCFS is knocking mm. on my door. That's a fear for some men. It may not be accurate, but it's something that us men need to get <laughs> educated on. And I want to add on to that, too. Oh, I want to add on to that. Good, hey, good, good question, James. But mm -hmm. I want to add on to that. That you know, what I'm saying, I think what men men problem is is that sense of vulnerability. You know, uh, now I got to come to your office, lay on the couch like they do in the movies, and bear my soul. You know, what I'm saying that takes a level of trust that a lot of men don't initially like, don't really mm -hmm. have right off the bat. So, right, what James is saying is like, you know, man, this might come up to get used against me, and then now somebody's asking me to, me to be vulnerable, you know what I'm saying, to another person, you know what I'm saying, and let them know my innermost thoughts. That's true. I, and, then, and then that goes back to what you was hitting on before. I thought you was going to touch on it, but, and doctor, you can, you can chime in on this too, because this was a question for you, but when men don't identify those things and then they react and respond in a different way, like that term hyper-masculinity, because they're avoiding certain things that will probably heal them but it happened in the time when they were still vulnerable and they don't want to be vulnerable anymore so i know that there was right. a lot thrown yeah. at you but can you touch right. on now, that? hold on like, like thank god thank god i never experienced this you know what i'm saying and and this is no slight to nobody like i couldn't imagine if somebody had molested me as a kid right being able to talk about that ever you know what i'm saying i feel like that's something i would take to the grave with me you know right. what i'm saying because how do you how do you talk about that as a man? You know what I'm saying? Because it's been ingrained in you, you know what I'm saying? This is your masculinity and all that type stuff. So that all ties into what James said. You know, now if I speak about it, it's true. You know what I mean? It didn't happen. Right, right. right. Um, that goes back to, I guess, one of the, the core principles is our is our ego and our um, 
understanding of what we are as a man or a male and what that what that means to us when we're younger to what that means to us now um and when when we're younger we both most people think especially black males we're tough we got to live up to a certain certain stigma uh, about being the toughest guy i can't show any weakness if you know if, you know six five 300 pound dudes talking smack to me i gotta i'm i'm above 70 i still gotta stand up and you know, show some type of front, like I'm going to kick his ass when I know I'm not. Uh, but you still got to put that front on. But when you get older, you realize that's not, that's, that's hurting yourself. It's hurting, like I said, once again, it's hurting your circle to where you're not able to um, perform your responsibilities and take care of those that you truly love. You need to get help for that, whether it be you hurt your foot, um, you got high blood pressure, you got diabetes, to where you're carrying that emotional trauma um, to where now that you're, you're snapping at the, um, the, the slightest remark, or you get upset easily. Um, you're you're not paying attention to your kids, or you might be, you know, over involved with your kids because you don't want what happened to you to happen to them. Um, but it's impacting your intimate circles, um, relationship, and the way you respond. Um, so that's, you know, it's a very hard conversation that you you have to have with yourself, and then. Seeing that right therapist, I know it can be very, very hard to bury your soul. You said laying on that couch and burying your soul uh, can be very, very hard. Um, but it takes time, and it takes finding that right therapist that you know that they're, like I said, they're there for your benefit, and they want you to be the best you can be. Uh, and unfortunately, if you, you if you mention something, only time that a therapist, any doctor can 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 talk about your medical record to anyone outside. Uh, outside of uh, of you and, and if you have a guardian is if you make statements about wanting to hurt yourself or kill anybody else or if you did anything bad to kids. Otherwise, um, what you say um, in, in, in the therapy session, what you say in a psychiatrist session, what you say in your medical doctor's office should be between you and them. Um, and unfortunately, we do got to keep records and keep notes. Oftentimes, if patients want to tell me something that they don't want in the record, uh, and it's not endangering themselves or anyone else, I will leave it out. So they say, hey, doc, I want to tell you something, but don't put this in the record. And if it's, like I say, I will, unless you talk about hurting kids or you want to kill yourself or kill somebody else, I can't do that. But if other than that, I will leave it out the record. Um, but once again, it takes forming that relationship with that therapist. And, uh, you know, day one, you should, you don't have to bury your whole soul day one when you see a therapist. Therapists generally see, see you weekly, so you begin to kind of peel back those layers. Um, and then once you get comfortable enough and you realize this person is there for you, then you can go into that deep stuff. Um, so if you have any type of physical, emotional, or sexual trauma, you can feel comfortable in dealing with that. Um, but but we as, as, as Black men and men of color have dealt with some type of emotional trauma from since we can remember, um, you know, most times we say memory starts five or six, from age five or six on, we've been dealing with some type of emotional, um, some type of, you know, mental trauma or stress for a long period of time. And it impacts you and it, and it, and it um, changes your world or your thought pattern, your behaviors in a certain way to where, you know, you, you go to the store, you see a, uh, another guy talk to your dad or, or if, a elderly figure in a certain way, you might have, why is he talking that way? Maybe negative. That begins to impact your psyche. And so you begin to move different and think different. If that pattern begins to repeat and then, you know, you form layers in the mind, you may come up with certain groups of people you may not like or you, 
or attitudes you may want to develop when you're talking to certain people. Um, and it could be good or bad, but it all has happened when you were younger and then you get to an adult and you're out on your own and you have to live your life based on those experiences. Uh, but if it's impacting you in a negative way and you're not achieving your goals and you're not where you want to be in life, you have to do a self-analysis and you're like, hey, I got to change the way I'm thinking now uh, based on the way I was thinking back then. Uh, could be hard. It's, like, it's easier said than done. This is a, this is a long process that can happen. Um, and, and it takes a long process and someone that's going to work with you. Uh, right, right. Hell, hell, God. God. All right. So, um, oh, I'm hearing an echo. Who are you not? Is that you? Not? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not me. I'll hopefully not. Let me see. Who was it? All right. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um, all right. Well, look, uh, we, we're going to go ahead and, and wrap this on up, right? Um, but yeah. So, What's what, what you got, Big Larry? Yeah, I, I just like to follow up with thanks for coming on, Dr. Maurice. I appreciate you, you know. And and one of the things I want to express is some of the things you talked about already is is the mental health piece. And I think that's what's hurting our youth of uh, especially in Black America today, is we don't have enough of us to talk about those experiences we've we've experienced during our time to pass on to the youth of uh, that's coming up today. And, and that's why they don't know how to deal with their anger issues and whatever issues that they're dealing with. And, and they resort to violence quickly and mild tempered, you know, is because mm-hmm. who's there to show them that, hey, this is what I dealt with. This is some of the things that I came up with that probably shouldn't be a part of my DNA, but it's just because the next guy, cousin, uncle, whatever was said, man, don't cry. We, 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 we soldiers, we, we, we push through and, you know, and I, yeah. I, I honestly think we need to really, really hone on to the youth and show them that it's okay to be, you know, it's, I'm not saying weak, but it's okay to show that, that show you're emotion. like, yeah, yeah, show emotions. Like, God damn it. Life hurts. Like I'm hurting right now. Can you help me? And, and so right. I appreciate you talking about that because you really touched on that. And I think, we need to spend more time talking about that more than than some of the other things that we're talking about. Right. But I digress. <clears throat> Thank you for your time. No Yo, problem. Appreciate right. that. Man. Hey man, I'm not showing no emotions, man. I'm gonna be a G to the day that I die. You know what bro, I mean? And look, it ain't yeah, happening. Yeah, that's bro. what it is, man. Anybody sitting around crying on nobody's couch? Bro. What I look like? But anyway, hold on. Look, oh, look. Hold on. <laughs> hey, I, I gotta ask this, man. I know we're wrapping up, but I gotta ask this. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Because this this man this man right here is a black psychiatrist, and I know that you know what I'm saying uh, through through talks with uh, I keep mentioning my wife because I mean she's the only mental health professional I know that there's not many black therapists so black male therapists so I got to imagine there's even less black male psychiatrists out there so I just wanted to ask you you know what I'm saying how was that for you? The, the process and what kind of struggles do you deal with being, you know what I'm saying? A very, very much a minority in your career field. Yeah. Man, it's, it's not like um, a part two, bro, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's a whole nother issue, but, but yeah. it is a, it is a, um, it was a struggle, um, kind of at first and, and getting to, um, understand myself, understand my role, my, my confidence, my self-esteem and, um, not to get too existential, but my what my role is in life and, and what my goals are in life, not just for myself and my family, but like I said, for, for those around me. Because if I'm out and about and I'm doing well, and, and just like with Seth, he saw me out doing well speaking, I can I can 
uh, let more eyes see that that you could become a black doctor or a psychiatrist um, in doing so, um, and then not to doubt myself and my and my and my my knowledge. Um, we call it the kind of the imposter syndrome. I'm here for a reason. I'm not here on my own accord. Uh, on my own knowledge. Other people help me, but my knowledge level um, uh, is is challenging uh, at times. But luckily, I have a, I have a great support system. I have um, a good wife and kids who give me support, even though they don't say I'm a real doc, real doctor. <laughs> but <laughs> my kids go hard. <laughs> so yeah. So but but um. But, but I have a great support system. I, I come home to to you know peace at home, uh, at least on the weekends, so I can watch the football. But um, you know my team sucks. But but yes, um, <laughs> it it was a difficult road, difficult challenge. And um, as part of that, though, I'm willing to give back to those who are coming behind me as well to let them know um, that yes, you will have struggles, you will have challenges, but but you can make it. You, you can become whatever you want to be in life. Um, don't let other people put you down or, or talk down to you just because you're black and uh, or black male especially um you know you gotta you gotta rise up and know that you're here for um, mm. not just for yourself but for your community um and for for the culture so to speak man no, no better words were yes. spoken man i appreciate that no and i, I just want to i want to say uh face to face well virtually face to face thank you for everything you do you know what i mean uh i know that it's an overtaxed career field, you know what I'm saying, right now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? There's not there's not many, not only just uh black there, there's not many therapists out there, period, right now. You know what I mean? So right. I know you guys are critical and you know what I'm saying, y'all working hard. And it's gotta be daunting when you're seeing people after people, story after story. So mm-hmm. thank you for what you do. You know what I mean? Thank all the therapists out there watching right now for what you guys do. Uh yes, it's much too, appreciated. Yeah. yeah. So Thank. Uh, hopefully, this ain't the last time we talk to you. I hope. No. Hopefully, we have you back on the show again. I know Seth is probably thinking something up, but uh, yeah. Again, I'm. A, I'm gonna be a G till I die. Stop <laughs> it, bro. Stop <laughs> it with your mess. No, you're so out of line. But look, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I do want to put this up here because this is very true, and majority of our audience are either military, military affiliate or have been in the military. So, um, and and this is actually where I met um, Maurice. At while we were at uh, St. Louis, uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine, uh, speaking about the Veterans Health Expo, things of that nature. But so I want you guys to understand this, that the VA office uh, offers, excuse me, telehealth for mental health services. Trust me, I know. OK, plus the vet center does not release any medical records. Right. So there are options for those of us that are veterans. We no longer have to struggle in silence, y'all. All right? So, Big Doc, man, I appreciate you on, man. So, look, I know we're a little bit past time, but do you have any final words for the audience? Yes. If, if you have any, you know, any, any issues, mental, physical, spiritual, seek out help. Um, Stop being that GT die. <laughs> Reach out. No, look, look, look. That fool, that fool go call you. Look, he talking all this crazy shit right yeah. now. But he's like, hey, look, doc, look, check this out. I, I ain't got yeah. it right. <laughs> he called. <laughs> but you got to enjoy life. Life is short. Enjoy it. If there's anything that you can do to take away one stress or one challenge, reach out and do it. Um, there are good people out there that want to help. I just want anyone to enjoy life and be happy. Um, and that's one of those, those cliches, but 
you know, if, if you're doing well and I see you and I see a smile, I, I feel good. I can pass it on to the next person so you can pay that forward to someone who's struggling um, as well. So, yeah, just be your best self, whatever it takes. There you go. There you go. Right on. Right on, right on, right on. Well, thank you. Thank you, brother. I do appreciate that. And everybody that's been watching, holding on, y'all, I know this was a different and difficult uh, conversation. However, it was necessary. So it's more than just having people come on and just talk about this, that, and whatever is going on. But how do we truly build our community? We talk real. Okay, we talk real. And how do we build our families, making sure our families are straight and those individuals in the families are straight. Right. And so understand that there's individuals, like you said, that are here to help you. Okay, it's okay to get that help. Her. (laughs) Look at him. See, out of line. May I see a therapist? Let me stop before people think I'm serious. (laughs) I see a therapist. I do believe in getting help. man. Good. (laughs) Good. Thank God. Hold on. Let me give him that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> triple OG. Hey, triple OG somewhere on somebody's couch, too, crying like you. Oh, <laughs> Boy, I'm Mr. Sensitive when I get in there. Yeah, I know it. I know what you do, but look, everybody, look, we do appreciate you. Hey, Doc, don't go nowhere, okay? We're going to close this on now. But anyway, y'all, we appreciate y'all. We're going to see y'all soon. Make sure you subscribing and you're following, y'all. We got more information to come. We appreciate y'all. Later. Don't get left behind. Stay updated. Make sure to give a thumbs up and catch more on the Lions Pride Network.